Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. <laughs> Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. I love that intro, especially because it's not me talking. <laughs> we got real quiet. It got real awkward for just three seconds there. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to play the the actual music to get us into the show. Well, that's oh, fine. I thought we were doing kind of, I'm so stupid. It's okay. I'll delete this. <laughs> no one will ever hear this. And here we go. everyone and welcome back to death holler i'm your host and amateur barbecue competition judge the <laughs> reverend dr death and joining me as always is a chainsaw wielding maniac la urena what's the buzz all about this week urena i do not use a chainsaw i use good old-fashioned hands and if you're lucky you can catch them for free 99 at any one of the the uh, competitions that you're in <laughs> You're gonna be you're gonna be throwing hands, huh? Yes, okay, you're gonna be you. cooking ham, and I'm gonna be throwing hands. Actually, you're gonna be cooking hands, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, and and was it taste like? Well, it varies from person to person. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> While most of us are suffering from historically low temperatures, we thought it'd be nice reprieve for our listeners to travel to a warmer time and place. The summer of '74 in Texas, to be more specific. A more innocent time when picking up psychotic hitchhikers was commonplace and teenagers didn't think twice about trespassing in strangers' homes. Yes, everyone, this week we are paying our respects to the founding family of the slasher genre, the Sawyers, those endearingly comedic hillbillies that made turning vagrants into delicious barbecue a family tradition. So kick back, pop the top on your Natty Light or PBR, and join us as we discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod. And we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Now, let's attack some bees. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I'm losing my eyes! <laughs> that never gets old, it I doesn't. swear. Um, so this really is a bee movie, uh, straight up. And it's and it's a secret Santa gift, so it's appropriate for the season. I received recently from Cody at work the movie Eaten Alive, the 1976 Toby Hooper movie. Um, it was directed by him, written by Alvin L. Fast, uh, Marty uh, Rustam, and Kim Hinkle, who Kim Hinkle also wrote the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, principal players, we have Neville Brand playing Judd. He's kind of the old crazy kook who runs the Starlight uh, Motel, Bed and Breakfast, whatever you want to call it. It's got some nice roadside attractions like a dead monkey and a crocodile that eats anything that gets around it. Um <laughs> Neville uh, was in the ninth configuration uh, without warning uh, and then the return. 
We have uh, Carolyn Jones, who plays Miss Hattie, a brothel madame and owner. You might know her maybe from the original Adams Family. She did play Morticia in that. Oh, okay. Little known actress. Yeah, not not very well known. Um, kind of funny that the Adams Family is going to have links to this episode, but there you are. <laughs> it's not the only link. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 56. She was also in the Wonder Woman TV series, the one with, uh, was it Linda Carter, I believe? Yes, Linda Carter. And uh, uh, she played Queen Hippolyta, or Hippolyta in that one. So um, <laughs> Queen Hippo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, weird thing about her in this one, though, I don't know what they were trying to do with her. She's supposed to be a brothel owner, but they had some kind of weird pancake makeup on her that made her look like she just stepped off the set from the original Adams Family, but also by way of uh, the Dawn of the Dead, meaning that it was almost bluish gray. I don't know why they chose that color for her, and it made her look like three times as old as she probably was at the point when she filmed this, so I, I don't understand it. Um, it was kind of caked up around her face and it looked bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe she just didn't want to. She's playing the madam her. or brothel owner. So she's not yeah, she's, dead. What's that? Well, so she's not dead. No, she, she was just the, the brothel madame, you know, like okay. the one that owned it and, you know, ran all the, you know, the best little whorehouse in Texas or wherever this place, this movie set at, they don't really give you a, it's kind of like set in the Texas, Louisiana border, I think, but that they don't really go into that too much. I'm thinking that maybe she was like the original, like goth, like she was going for that original goth look. Now back then makeup wasn't as good. As it is now in terms of gothy girls. So, you know, we had to start somewhere. And that's where she started. And it was just tragic. Well, we'll we'll go with that. Even though, like (laughs) I said, it looked more bluish gray than it did pale. So I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. Um, We have Roberta Collins playing Clara Wood. She is the prostitute that we made at the beginning of the movie. uh, That first travels to uh, meet uh, Mr. or meets Nile the crocodile. She's <laughs> the first one that meets uh, meets the character. Um, this movie is kind of a weird take on Psycho because the guy owns the motel. Uh, there's a lady that of ill repute, kinda that you know, or questionable morals that comes and visits him, and like because and he freaks out because he realizes that she's a prostitute from the local brothel, and that's the reason he 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 goes crazy, and then he. He attacks her with a scythe, and he feeds her to the crocodile. So he's like, it kind of goes along the same route as Psycho in a weird way. Okay. Um, we have Mel uh, Ferrer playing Harvey Wood, who is Clara's father. He's been looking for his daughter for, for ages, and according to this movie, and just recently tracked her down to this local area. Uh, and he's kind of like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the boyfriend in the original Psycho kind of tra- tracking down. Uh, Janet Lee, uh, Melfair was in Nightmare City, The Visitor, The Antichrist, and Fantasy Island, which is weird because almost every actor that I'm going to list in here was on Fantasy Island. Oh, I just God. happened to notice it about halfway through making the list, and I said I'm just going to make a point of it because they all went on to be on Fantasy Island for some reason. <laughs> okay. uh, Kristen Sinclair plays Libby Wood. That's uh, Clara's sister. She's got <laughs> a nice pair of boobs. <laughs> She likes to show them, too, um, uh, toward the end of the movie, at least. Uh, she was in Caged Heat, Portrait of a Stripper TV movie, and Dirty O'Neill. So that should give you an idea of what she did when she did movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's actually not bad in this. She's, like, covered up for most of the movie, but then at the end, it's just, oh, well, uh, I don't know where my dad's at and I'm still looking for my sister, but I'm just going to kind of relax, and that means taking my top off for, like, five minutes, you know, but. That's how it goes. Marilyn Burns plays Faye. Uh, you'll hear that name again this podcast. Um, she actually plays the pill-popping wife and mother of uh, this. There's like a, a mother, daughter, uh, and father that, that come to the place right after uh, Clara dies at the beginning of the movie, and, and they're the ones that are tortured and, and uh, have problems next after uh, Clara disappears. Um we have William Finley, who plays Roy, who's the disturbed husband father in this, uh, in, in the trio. 
he's really weird. They don't ever go into what's wrong with him, but like he, he starts talking out of his head, like begging his wife to kill him and then like forgive him. And then like she tells him to get the hell out of there because, uh, spoiler alert. Well, rut row raggy, uh, the little dog Snoopy that the little girl owns uh, gets chomped up like real quick once they get there and she's completely traumatized in the bed. Yeah. And, uh, and the father is not, he's not helping her. And then the mother gets pissed. And then, uh, then he gets pissed because he realizes that, you know, if he's not going to be in the doghouse for the rest of the afternoon or the rest of the night, he's going to have to go do something about it. And then when he goes to confront uh, the owner about his alligator, Things don't turn out well for him. Uh, William Finley was in Phantom of the Paradise, The Fun House, which is another Toby Hooper movie, uh, The Black Dahlia, when 2006, he was in Dressed to Kill uh, by Brian Palm- De Palma in an uh, uncredited voice role, and he was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the TV show. Oh, the the, <laughs> the, the one with the Salem that, that talked? Yeah, the the one that actually treated Salem the way he was supposed to be. Uh, yes, that one. There we go. Um, and then Kyle Richards plays Angie, the the daughter of Faye and Roy. She's the one that's traumatized after seeing poor little Snoopy just eaten up by the croc. Uh, she spends most of her time in the movie crawling beneath the the Starlight Motel, basically, uh, because uh, old Ned's been trying is trying to get at her and and kill her too. I mean, hmm. he doesn't discriminate. Kids are not out of his uh, realm of things that he goes after. All right. Um, she was in the original Halloween movie. I think she was one of the kids that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's friend was supposed to be babysitting that night. Uh, she's also in Halloween Ends and Halloween Kills, the new movies. And uh, she was in the Disney movie, The Watcher in the Woods. Did you remember that movie? That one was creepy as fuck back in the day. I feel like I do, but I don't. I feel like it's kind of, I don't, in my mind, it's been forever since I've seen it. It's like a combination of either a witch or a ghost story. Maybe both rolled into one, but it's like pretty creepy for a Disney film. Yeah. Uh, Robert England. uh, Don't know who that guy is. Yeah, I've never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he plays Buck in this movie. He's the backdoor bandit, and I'll tell you exactly what that means here in just a second because he's a pervert, so you can take, kind of figure it out from that. And uh, his go-to line in this movie, which was quoted by Tarantino later in Kill Bill for another character, is, my name is Buck, and I'm here to fuck. So there you go. <laughs> uh, he played in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Uh, of course, he's fucking Freddy Krueger. I mean, that's what everybody knows him from. Are you fucking uh, serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm my God. Who, yeah, who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> uh, he was in Zombie Strippers. I think uh, Don might be uh, helping us out on that one when we get the zombie season. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, I took care of Don. Um, ton, and he's been in tons of TV, uh, Supernatural, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, I think the newer one, and um, Stranger Things. Hmm, I yeah. don't remember him in that yeah, newest season weird. of Stranger Things. It must have been hidden in the background or something. Um, yeah, didn't. Backtracking to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the newer cartoons, there's about I, two most recent ones have a lot of famous actors that are voicing in, in, the, in those cartoons. He plays like, uh, according to IMDb, he plays like a uh, a weird dream beaver or something, which <laughs> is funny because, like, I mean, yeah, it's it's Freddy, yes. so like for yeah, whatever. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then rounding out the cast, we have Janice Blythe, who's playing Lynette. Uh, she's Buck's underage girlfriend. Uh, she shows her boobs for a good long time in this movie, and then she gets the hell out of Dodge after that. So good her, for her, I guess. Her name is tragic, especially if you mispronounce it. <laughs> like Janice, or like Janus. Janus, yes. It's spelled anus with a J. <laughs> That's fucked up. Uh, she was in The Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2, uh, Phantom of the Paradise, with uh, one of our previous actors I just mentioned, and The Incredible Melting Man. So she was in some definite B-movies back in the day. 
we are going to be reviewing The Hills Have Eyes during the uh, human horror season. And I know you're dreading it because I have not seen part two. But my husband said that there is a, a scene where one of the girls is getting the dong of doom. I can only imagine. Uh, are we going to double that? Are we just going to like get it all out and open that same episode and uh, uh, cover the last house on the left while we're at it, just so that we can have—I mean—have one of my worst things that I hate movies all in one session? Because we might as well if we're going to do that. I mean, yeah. If you, if that's how you want to do it, I mean, I find that to be so unfair though, because like I don't get to just bust out zombie season all in one episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> well there's going to be plenty of movies that we're covering that's got some kind of rape revenge story so it's not like i'm going to be like yeah letting, letting that all go in one but <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, so synopsis for uh eating alive a prostitute unwilling to let feisty patron buck go down the hershey highway <laughs> gets kicked out of her brothel <laughs> And that's specifically what's happening, folks. Gets kicked out of her brothel by Miss Hattie. Stumbling upon the Starlight Hotel and its kooky old proprietor, the prostitute quickly becomes crocodile food. Hmm. Old Jed, proud of his unorthodox pet, goes on to introduce several more visitors to its ravenous maws. People get cut up by size. People and pets get served to a prehistoric lizard. Two sets of boob get ample screen time. And Buck proves that he just wants to fuck. So there you go. <laughs> This is absolutely the worst. <laughs> it is Toby Hooper in his most distilled form. It is taking everything that was in Funhouse and Chainsaw and just making it all mashed together in one kind of psycho ripoff in a roundabout way. It's exactly what this is. I am so mad at Cody for introducing you to this. <laughs> now I have to hear about it. However... I'm sorry, but does the alligator or the crocodile have a name? I think they call it Nile. Nile. Okay, yes, Nile the crocodile. Okay. Um, Nile technically belongs in when bad animals go bad. (laughs) Well, possibly. I mean, that is kind of what the, I mean, the movie has got the crocodile attacking people almost as much or more than, um, than Ned, although it is considered a slasher movie because of the fact that Ned does go around killing people yes. with the sides. So, so it's, it's like a, it's a, it, it's a two it's for a mixture. Yeah. It's a two for, for sure. Um, Niall will have to get at least a little shout out during when bad animals go bad. When we do like uh, Lake Placid or something like that, you know, when we, well, we'll cover alligator and Lake Placid in the same episode and then we'll kind of do a shout back to uh, Niall the crocodile while we're at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, body count in this movie is seven. Uh, Clara, Roy, Harvey, Buck, and then even Jed himself. A monkey dies in the movie, but I think it dies of neglect because Aww. it just there's a there's a scene of it just sitting in its cage, Aww. just sitting there, and then it randomly falls over like it it pauses for a second and then falls over dead, and then that's the little girl finds it first, and that's when she starts freaking out. And while she's freaking out about that, it's when Snoopy runs off, and of course, then we have Snoopy getting eaten by the crocs. So. That's actually pretty sad. I don't I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's it was a weird moment in the movie, and I don't know if it was supposed to show how, because it, it almost it sets up that Ned's like running this place is like a sideshow attraction type place, like you'd see in Florida. You know, it's like come see the Gator. You know, it's like, but he but also shows he's a piece of shit. You know, on top of the fact that he's killing people, um, and he's got these weird sexual hangups because he's just letting these animals just die in these cages. Like, I mean, it, so. I don't feel sorry for him whenever he kicks the bucket. I'll just put it that way. And he gets eaten by his own crocodile, so kudos to I was going to ask how Buck died. He kicked the bucket by getting... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, eaten by his own alligator. That's awesome. Uh, Head first, by the way. That makes it a little bit better. Oh, it doesn't, because I feel like he should have suffered. Like, I feel like they should have chomped on the legs first, then he can't get away. No, here's the thing. He already already lost his leg, and, and... that's Niall had already eaten part of his or eaten half of his leg off, and so he had a wooden leg. The very first uh, uh, or time that, uh, or I think Roy in the movie, whenever the dad he's trying to shoot the crocodile with a shotgun because of what he did to you know the family dog and everything because his daughter's traumatized. Well, when Ned attacks him, he goes to shoot 
Ned, uh, or he gets he gets hit by a scythe, and then he accidentally pulls the trigger and he hits Ned. But the thing is, it doesn't affect Ned because it hit the wooden leg. So you oh. know. Um, so if the crocodile had only grabbed the leg at the end of the movie, he would have probably got away. So it's a good thing it was head first. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give him that. I mean, Buck, <laughs> oh, not Buck, uh, Niall really is like the epitome of when bad animals go bad. Because, dang. <laughs> yeah, and, and he makes a point of saying, he, he tells like Claire, because he's bragging on this thing, because he got it from some guy upstate, you know, and, and he mentions the guy's name, and I looked it up, and it actually was a guy back in the day that was almost like the... Uh, Oh, what's that? That guy that was on Netflix. Oh the, yeah, uh, uh, Tiger, had, Tiger. Yeah, the yeah, the Tiger King. It Tiger was almost King. something like that, where the guy like sold these exotic animals and he even wrote a book about it. So the guy he name drops was an actual guy who did that sort of thing. Um, but um, he's bragging to Claire about, it and he's like, "You know what the difference is between an alligator and a crocodile?" And she's like, "I don't give a fuck. I just, you know, whatever." And he's like, "You know, alligators are slow when they get out of water, but crocodiles they can go fast as you know with anything else, and they'll get you." And you know, and so that that sets up later in the movie. There's, you know, the little girl has got like this little cage underneath the house, you know, trellis or whatever that's kind of separating the crocodile from getting underneath the house with her. And, of course, Ned opens up that just enough for the crocodile to get in there, and it's, like, rushing toward her. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Ned, Ned's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> that's all we need to say. <laughs> Sounds like Buck kind of is, too. Seriously, uh, though, crikey. It's hilarious seeing Freddy Krueger in this role. I, that's all I got to say. Um. Okay, side tangent. Have you heard the story, the life story of Crocodile Hunter? Um, no, okay. I haven't. Uh, Time Suck did an episode of him, and there was a <laughs> these people were trying to hunt down this crocodile because he was attacking people, and <clears throat> the problem was is that it wasn't the crocodile going into the people's area; it was the people going into the crocodile's area. So Steve Irwin had to prove that, hey, look, they don't really want to attack people, but they will if they feel like they're threatened, you know? Mm-hmm. So what we have to do this crocodile is he doesn't, he didn't have any other croc, you know, friends or whatever family. He was by himself. So he was really scared. It's like, we got to make him afraid of people. So no fucking shit. Steve Irwin catches this crocodile and fucking torments him for days. Just like yelling at him, screaming at him, shooting guns, like, you know, in the air, like just to give him that sound and everything just torments the fuck out of this alligator. Okay. Which he did not want to do. Cause he wasn't that type of, you know, trainer, but this particular alligator was, or not alligator crocodile was super aggressive. So they let the alligator go. And every now and then, as soon as the alligator would get within a certain perimeter, they would like fire shots to let them know, Hey, this is our area. And the alligator would go away. And that alligator for the rest of its life stayed trained to be away from that specific perimeter. Nice. <laughs> So that's what they needed to do to Niall is what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, in addition to the fact that, that you have Buck trying to score with underage women, go down the Hershey Highway, and then Ned doing what he's doing, the N-word, the hard N-word gets dropped in this movie Ooh. at least twice. Dang, I didn't know that <laughs> Niall was considered a hard N-word. Uh, yeah, it's not that oh, hard okay. N-word. Oh, so. <laughs> Um, I've never heard the term and I'm not going to say the full thing, but, uh, when Ned's bragging about what the, some of the things that to Claire at the beginning of the movie that Niall has eaten, he mentions an Edward <laughs> mule. I don't know what that is, but you know, well, like, okay, that's, that's <laughs> I know what he was saying. But he did. It's dumb for him to use. Like it. it it's stupid for him to use it because he had just said a black mule. But like, because I've never. But that's not. There's a reference later in the movie, though, right whenever we're reintroduced to Buck for the second time, where these two guys are in a bar just randomly talking. They're talking about a colored guy that's playing pool, and the other guy's like, "Yeah, that dumb," you know. And he says that word. Well, me, yeah. That, so it's dropped. That's directly referenced. Yeah, that's insane. Like what? Like because it, it makes no sense for the mule because if they're trying to say Negro mule, but it's like. Yeah, he says the hard end word yeah. for the mule, and I'm just like, wow, dude, like, did you, you went hardcore with that one. I don't know. It's kind of funny when you, when you hear, like, a Southerner say Negro, it's like, just, just say black, like, because it's supposed to be Negro. It's a Spanish word, like, you're not speaking Spanish. 
Well, and Southerners, when they go to say Negro, they typically let their, it, you, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like they, it's, it gets very loose when they say it and it, it sounds the other way anyway. So it's probably yeah. best not to even attempt it. That's um, <laughs> another side tangent, and, folks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Nick Cage rating for this. I'm gonna give it Con Air. It's cheesy as fuck, but it is entertaining, uh, if only for the outlandish characters. I mean, they're straight up comic book characters in this movie. Like, I mean, that's and I think Toby Hooper meant it because it, when we get into the discussions about the the main movies, that's I think that's his mo when he come has a lot of these. For uh, um, my hubby who just entered the studio not too long ago, what's this movie called again? Uh, Eaten Alive. Uh... I don't know if I've seen it. It's got a crocodile in it. It sounds like it. Speaking of Nick Cage, did you see Nick Cage is going to be playing Dracula? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in that Renfield movie that they got coming out. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. Something about him, I can't wrap my head around him being Dracula. He's not going to be Dracula, is he? Yeah. Nick Cage is going to be Dracula? Correct. I think he looks, I think physically he looks the part. Aesthetically he does, but... Acting wise, we're gonna find out. Maybe if he just doesn't say anything a lot, like he does in a lot of his recent films, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's gonna play it to the, you know, like he could go one of two ways. If he plays it really well, like he did in some of his, uh, you know, more recent like dramatic roles, like Pig, then, yeah. then it's it could be great that way. But if he goes back to Vampire's Kiss and plays it that way, <laughs> oh boy, we're in for it. Oh my god, Lord. <laughs> Uh, wait a minute. Do I hear a chainsaw somewhere? I don't know. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. In particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was thinking while that was playing, I was like, what was it? What if this was a remix of that? I'm sorry. I know I was supposed to go bum, bum, bum. But I was like, what if there was like all of a sudden a remix? You hear trap music and you just hear. (laughs) Well, I would only appreciate it if they took that, the camera, you know, whatever sounds or whatever that they do at the beginning of the movie. Because I love that sound. It's so weird and out there. And if they did that and just like mixed it up and, you know, kind of did some kind of beat out of it or something. Yeah, that'd be absolutely terrible, actually. But, you know, me, I can't be I can't be serious about anything. So. Uh, so after listening to the dulcet tones of John Larroquette, and yes, that was John Larroquette, folks, from uh, Night Court fame. Uh, we are discussing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 version and a little bit of discussion about the remake here in a little bit. Um. Directed by Toby Hooper, written by Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper, music by Wayne Bell and Toby Hooper, uh, made on a budget of one hundred forty thousand uh, U.S. dollars, made thirty point nine million, Holy and shit. the mafia got most of that. And I'll get to that in the trivia. But what? Uh, hardly anybody in this fucking movie got paid. So, oh my god. <laughs> When I tell you, whenever I go to the trivia and tell you the name of the guy that that uh, Hooper decided to uh, do business with, you'll understand. Like uh, the the other people that was on his production team, it was hilarious listening to uh, that on the. Uh, I, th- I think it might have been called the Shocking Truth, but it was a documentary about the making of this. Like the production guys, they were like. It's like you could have told you could tell that he was in that he was getting in bed with the mafia. Like this was the dumbest thing he could have done. Like and and none of us got any of the money we were supposed to get out of this. So oh yeah, it, it kind of sucks. One of the most successful independent horror films of all time, and uh, nobody really got any money out of it other than the mafia, I guess. That sucks. <laughs> uh, principal players Marilyn Burns, who we just talked about, playing Sally. Uh, I'm sorry. That that's not right. I, it's Jennifer Lawrence, right? Isn't she the one that's always like the the? She was the first uh, 
female action stars. That's she right. had to be. There's no way that they didn't cast Jennifer Lawrence as the first, one of the first, you know, final girls ever. <laughs> uh, her dumbass aside, no, Marilyn Burns uh, plays Sally in this. Uh, she's technically the first final girl. Uh, there's some debate. I mean, some people throw out Jess that we discussed on uh, Black Christmas. Of course, Laurie Strode. She's not technically a full final girl. What they say is that she there's two components to a final girl, uh, according to the genre. They have to endure a lot of misery and trial, you know, you know, terrible stuff before they finally reach their breaking point and turn and turn the tables. But then they actually do attack the the you know the killer or whatever, and and usually in like some inventive way. Marilyn Burns endures a shit ton as both an actress, which I'll get into, and as the character but she doesn't actually do anything to the bad guys. They, she just runs from them. So, which I'm sorry uh, is realistic and smart. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's, if we're going to say anything about this movie, I got to say it right up front. I love this movie because there is no other movie that feels like a, a snuff film slash documentary film like this movie, the way it was filmed, the, the way the angles they used, everything else, like it is so grindhouse that it, like it's actually one of those movies that's better at the worst uh, kind of way you can watch it. Like the, uh, you know, just a janky VHS tape that's like, you know, looks like shit. Best way to watch this movie because it looks like, you know, it should have been a like some VHS tape you found in somebody's basement and like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This really happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, the more that they, they clean this movie up, the, you know, it, it kind of hurts it in a way. Um, but, um, uh, Sally is the, the kind of the pseudo first final girl, uh, sister to Franklin. Uh, she survives the movie, but she's looks like she's been driven insane by the end of it. And the actress kind of was at that point too, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'd be laughing the same way she was too. Like, holy shit! Did that just really fucking? Did I just survive that? Oh, I'm gonna tell you the reason she's really laughing in the trivia. Okay, and you'll probably agree with her. But yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, she was, of course, also in some other movies in the series, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. She's got like this role toward the end of that fucking weird ass film where she's being rolled out on a gurney, uh, kind of hinting that. Uh, the final girl, which is Renee Zellweger in that one, uh, sees Sally, you know, being, you know, wheeled out of the hospital at the same time she's been admitted. Um, Texas Chainsaw 2013, she actually plays the old uh, Sawyer slash uh, Carson, uh, you know, lady or whatever that gave the house to Alexandria Daddario. She's double D Dario. Plays that part. Yeah, double D Dario. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, she was in Helter Skelter and, of course, Eating Alive. She plays the uh, mother who gets tied up and tortured by Ned and throughout that movie. So she she got tortured in a lot of uh, Toby Hooper's movies. Okay. Uh, I don't know why she kept the green to come back for him. She liked it. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, we got Gunnar Hansen, uh, famous uh, for playing Leatherface. Uh, he is the first masked slasher that we have yet to see on film. Uh, and uh, he's the first one to gain fame, at least, uh, playing Bubba Sawyer. Um, goes by Junior in some movies. They call him Jed in some, but uh, I'm going by the lore of part one and two that were made by Hooper. I'm going to call him Bubba. Um, he's just doing his job and defending his home against trespassers. He's more afraid of them than they are of him at one point in the movie. <laughs> you know, they, I swear they take, like, every, like, southern name, Junior, Jed, Bubba, <laughs> like everything like he's got well i guess it's funny because i mean i'm not from the south or anything but like i know my son has several nicknames so maybe i don't know that's a thing i think and it also depends on who's calling him that because i mean a lot of people don't realize this because it kind of seems unclear in the first movie uh drayton uh, or the cook the guy who you know runs the gas station slash barbecue that yeah. you know was beating sally and you know when he's got her in the sack or whatever <laughs> um he is actually uh, Leatherface's brother, older brother. Oh, um, a lot of people, a lot of people thought that was his dad. Yeah, I thought it was his know. dad too. Nope, that's that's his older brother. So that's why he's called Bubba, you know, because he's you know you know Southern for brother. So there you go. Um, 
Is that what uh, Gunner would means? come back for T- Texas Chainsaw 2013. He plays one of the Sawyer clan that's uh, amassed at the windows right before they get shot uh, all to hell. <laughs> uh, and I, the only thing I find funny about I love that beginning of that movie, uh, and we'll get into a little bit more in the next episode, but when we discuss it, but where the hell did all those Sawyers crawl out of? Like, yeah. there's only like four of them in this movie. And then when you watch the new one, it's like there's 20 of them all held, held up in that room. They've multiplied, <laughs> apparently. Um, hold on. So, real quick, Noah was asking, is is that a thing? Is Bubba like a nickname for brother? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. That's uh, Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of my nickname from that my dad had for me all the time. You know, I, he never actually called me by my name. He just because because you know I was the older brother to my sister. He just you know called me Bub or Bubba. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's, it's a in thing. The South. <laughs> um, he was in Campfire Tales, uh, Chainsaw Sally, uh, which is funny, uh, and in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers <laughs> with Linnea Quigley, of course. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, he, he did a lot of stuff with chainsaws after this movie. I bet uh, you his arms were swole. What's that? I said, I bet you his arms were swole holding them chainsaws oh, all the time. Yeah. He, he's a big dude too. I mean, he's like six, four. So, and, and pretty hefty. So, God. um, <laughs> he has a dad bod. I figured you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, we have Paul A. Partain playing Franklin, who is the most annoying fucking slasher victim in the history oh, of genre. God. He, he he can make he actually has you rooting for the death of a handicapped person. So yeah. kudos to to him. Hands down. <laughs> we I couldn't know. wait. Yeah, I was like, how come this guy's not dying first? <laughs> it's too I'll easy. Wait till he gets to the trivia. He yeah. uh, he was a method actor in this movie, so they actually really did hate him, like the actors did that had to work with yeah, him. Yeah, I was just like, dude. <laughs> Goddamn, take care of the retard. Like, just kill him <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, John Dugan uh, plays Grandpa, the creepiest almost zombie in a movie history. Um, <laughs> youngest guy in the cast. He was only 18 when he did this movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and there's a good reason why he never agreed to get back in that makeup, but I'll get to that later. Um <laughs> Alan Dan- Danziger plays Jerry, who uh, reminds me of Fred from Scooby-Doo. Yes, uh, <laughs> the van driver. <laughs> the van driver. Uh, he's definitely a hippie, folks. Uh, and, and well, most of the cast is. William Vale plays Kirk. Uh, Terry McMahon plays Pam. Uh, run around those uh, short, short Daisy Dukes of hers before she gets uh, strung up on the hook. Uh, Edwin Neal plays the hitchhiker. Nubbin Sawyer. Uh, Nubbin. And then... <laughs> I love their names. I swear. Uh, he puts an end to picking up hitchhikers uh, for oh, yeah. the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jim Seedow plays the old man or the cook or Drayton Sawyer, um, who, like I said, runs the gas station restaurant. Uh, we have Ed Gwynn playing the cattle truck driver, who's the smartest fucking man of the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you see Leatherface, you just book it down the road yeah. and you get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and then, of course, John Larroquette doing the opening narration, which just blew my fucking mind whenever I read that when doing the trivia for this thing. <laughs> now, I normally don't do this, but I actually enjoyed this so much from the IMDb that Michael Brook had like left a synopsis on there. So I'm just going to read it verbatim, uh, adding the tagline of the movie at the end. En route to visit their grandfather's grave, which has apparently been ritualistically desecrated, five teenagers drive past the slaughterhouse, pick up and quickly drop a sinister hitchhiker, eat some delicious home-cured meat at a roadside gas station, before ending up at an old family home where they're plunged into a never-ending nightmare as they meet a family of cannibals who more than make up for empower tools what they lack in social <laughs> skills. Who will survive and what will remain of them? Great tagline for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, only five people died in this body counts five. We got Kurt with a sledgehammer to the head doing that death twitch, which looked amazing. Yeah. Actually, uh, Pam who's, uh, strung up on the meat hook and then frozen to death, uh, which is an awful way to die, honestly. But, uh, Jerry, who's also killed by a sledgehammer really quickly. And then Franklin, thank God by a chainsaw. (laughs) He's the only chainsaw victim really in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then we have the hitchhiker, uh, Nubbins, who gets accidentally ran over by the cattle truck driver. <laughs> Quotation mark, accidentally. Well, it was a good thing. Nubbins yeah. need to get need to die so that uh, Bill Mosley could live in the, in the next movie and take over that role, basically. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. Special note, this is the second killer that we are covering, inspired by Ed Gein. Uh, of course, Leatherface is focusing more on that uh, fantastic, you know, human skin furniture that we, you know, talked about yeah. so much. They did have cool, uh, they did have really cool bone, like, uh, chairs. I mean, they, yeah, were, they uh, were really expertly put together. Like, I was surprised. I was like, mm, they look like they have no skills whatsoever, but I have been proven wrong. Quite the craftsman. <laughs> Quite the craftsman, yes, absolutely. I mean, for what they look like. How much do you think they paid for those chairs? An arm and a leg. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he does the callback this time, and he, and he nails it. David. Well, you guys didn't know it last time. I was like, okay, well, I guess no one's going to run with that. So, Well, technically, they didn't pay for that. They made that furniture. <laughs> Somebody cost somebody paid for it with an arm and a leg, correct? Somebody paid for it with their damn life. <laughs> an arm and a leg. There were some skulls in there. There were some teefers. What was the deal with that cock in the cage? Uh they they here's the thing. They took a lot of the one of the production designers on this, the 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 lady uh, of all things, knew the uh, knew a veterinarian in town and got a lot of like dead bodies from the veterinarian Ooh. and um decided it'd be cool just to throw them in the scenes. So there, apparently there was a dead dog in one of the scenes too that they they An had in there. An actual dead dog? Fuck off. Yeah, and yeah. um when I get to, you know, the trivia about that, it was fucking disgusting as hell because of what happened that surrounding all that stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I would, the thing about this movie is, I mean, just going to the discussion of it, this is like, and this is like gorilla, you know, filmmaking at its finest. Like they, and not gorilla, but gorilla, uh, meaning that they, I mean, if you see something that happens in this movie, they probably literally did it. I mean, or, or got something that very close to a similar, you know, because they didn't have the budget to, uh, you know, play around in, with, you know, a lot of Hollywood fakeness for anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that adds to kind of why it seems like it's so realistic. Um, just, I mean, we're going to probably discuss it more on the next episode, but just the mask this is my favorite mask that leatherface wears because it looks the most realistic at least to me yeah um it didn't look too bad in the second one but um are we gonna i mean like at what point are we gonna be are we gonna wait till the end to discuss all the masks yeah okay. i figured because we'll cover more of the sequels but uh i mean but what's your thoughts on the mask in this one i mean you know just preemptively before all that I liked it. It, it didn't look, because you start to get too Hollywood. You start getting into all these effects and everything. Um, and so, yes, I, I did like the original mask. I thought it was hilarious when they put makeup on the mask. <laughs> Can't There's put a pig on lipstick, too. yeah. Uh, like, no, that wasn't makeup. That's just how it came. <laughs> like, oh, shit. It's the whole thing of putting a pig on, putting lipstick on a pig. Wow. <laughs> Quite literally. Uh, yeah, the way that they, uh, even the way that they filmed the, uh, the, the, you know, the scene in the van, it's beginning of it or whatever. And then uh, the music they had playing that, you know, whatever, something in a cafe. And it was just, it kept repeating while, uh, Nubbins was like going off on his whole thing about, (laughs) you know, like talking about he wanted to take their picture and all that shit that he does. Like, I mean it's it's got a real grimy feel to the movie like it's it's i don't think you could replicate it um you can't and this movie from beginning to end maybe it was just me uh, you can't be comfortable in this movie it just feels it's just got a like you said grittiness almost griminess to it the entire time i mean they're hot in that van you know Uh, not literally you know it's one of the things that makes this movie do really good is the pacing it's breakneck pace the entire movie for the most part. Oh yeah. So it's it's hard to like 
it's hard to really say why they do that because it's such a fast pace that you're going to make bad decisions as a person. I think that's what plays into the movie itself big time. Yeah. Well, and, and they, you don't have any time. And that's part of the horror of it. You don't have time to react. You're just like they are because like when, uh, when Kirk, he's the very first one to encounter Leatherface, when he pops out of that sliding metal door, I mean, it's oh, no yeah. time till he's bam, you know, and he's got him, you know. Gotta say, one of the funniest memes, one of the memes I love most that have come from this movie, because there is a meme from this movie. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about, but it's when Pam is trying to run out of the door and he pops out and grabs her and she's just flailing her arms and legs and screaming and he rips her back into the house. And it's a meme. It's an adorable like boyfriend, girlfriend meme. And it's like, when guys grab you from behind. (laughs) Really? Just couples things. <laughs> Relationship uh, goals. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, the, the thing that, I mean, it's the, the pacing, like you said, but I, I mean, like the lack of sound, like those scenes with Leatherface, they don't have any background music. You're just, you're left to deal with what's in front of you in that scene. And no, that's, yeah. I think that... that I think that adds to the feeling like it's like you're watching more of a documentary, like a, like, you know, you're, you're watching it happen as opposed to, you know, like you, you, you've got the comfort of, Oh, with this is Hollywood because you know, the swelling music or the, the little harpsichord, you know, pings or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause the sounds that are in the movie, like the actual music, uh, Hooper like combined like either animals noises like you know from a slaughterhouse or he mixed in like these weird like instruments that he had around his house so, like from you know these African stringed instruments that he would like drag the bow slowly across and then like you know edit it like uh, to where he would speed it up or slow it down based upon what the scene demanded and like that's all that's that really plays through most of the movie. Yeah, it's also the thing about it, too, and this is the thing that got me, and this is the thing that had me, you know, my titties twisted, was that it's the reality of what's going on around you. There's nothing around you. There's no one to call for help. There's no cars whizzing by on a busy road. There's no phones ringing because there's probably no fucking phones. Um, There's just the generators because there's no electricity. You can hear that going on. That's just in the background. But, like, when you're in the house, you kind of just hear you know, maybe the wind chimes around you. It's just so quiet, not so quiet, but the noises that are going on around you that would normally be comforting. It's just scary that there's, you know, your boyfriend's just disappeared and you're in this weird house looking for someone and all you can hear is the screen door slamming or, and nothing else really. And it's dead quiet. It's like, where is he? He was just here a minute ago. And then, you know, obviously the yeah, shit it, happens. And <laughs> And it plays into that whole world, like that rural fear that they, they were trying to tap into. It's like you're out in the middle of nowhere. There is no sounds other than just like the sounds of nature, you know, yeah. around you. Like there's, you were cut off from all society. I mean, and you're in their hell now, you know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then it also makes it great for when the uh, chainsaw, chainsaw starts ripping because it's loud as fuck. And all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> it's there. It's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> And then, and then hearing uh, Leatherface's, uh, you know, incoherent screaming oh. or whatever as he's, like, <laughs> running after you. It's terrifying. I mean, like, because, like, okay, if someone's coming after you and they're not really chasing you, but they're just, like, making those noises, you're probably going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? And maybe laughing a little bit because you're like, what, you know, what the hell? But then they got a chainsaw and you're like, ah! <laughs> Changes the situation real fast. Now, here's the thing. Years ago when I watched this as a kid, and I probably shouldn't have been watching this, me and my cousin, we found several parts of this movie that the more we watched it, the more we laughed at it <laughs> and in a, in a black comedy way. Yeah. And um, I, for years, thought, well, maybe I'm just weird or something. And, like I, and I actually met, you know, John Dugan at a convention here in Kentucky and, like, talked to him. And I said, did Hooper intend – this to be as funny as it is and he kind of grinned at me for a second and he's like he and, and i didn't know this it's also in the trivia hooper himself has said it 
uh, in interviews, but like uh, Dugan said, oh yeah, he's like Hooper totally was, uh, you know, having a piss for the audience with this one. He's like, it, it was black comedy. He's like, we were joking around on the set, you know, about all this, you know, uh, crazy shit that was happening. And he just went with it and, and he was hoping that people would pick up on the joke, but you know, they, they didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the thing is when I watch it now and I look for that stuff, it's, it's there, but it, you, you're, so freaked out about yeah. everything that's happening around it that you can't really see it. Like the very first thing is when Franklin of all characters, when he meet when you meet Nubbins, like he goes on, he's like, he's a Dracula. And it's like, oh, he yeah. comes from a family of Draculas, you know, and the way he says it and how goofy he is about it. And, and he's kind of right later because, you know, grandpa sucks blood. So <laughs> he's not wrong in that sense. When you come right down to it, um, they uh later whenever drayton uh finally comes home I, those scenes are hilarious to me and that's the scenes that we always cracked up at you know when they drug grandpa down there and they were like you know bragging on him and then uh it's supposed to be terrifying to see sally there in that chair and she's screaming her head off and like <laughs> then but then leatherface nub and nubbins are sitting there howling you yeah. know to match her scream and they're goofy as fuck about it. And then Drayton's over there and he's just kind of like, shut the fuck up, you know? And like, I mean, if you, I mean, it, it, it is very, very dark comedy, but it's there. Like, well, the, I, you, you know, it's, grandpa it's, dra- <laughs> dropping the hammer too. Like that was just a joke. Yeah. That whole thing was just like a terrifying joke. <laughs> And then the the dances that Leatherface does, you know, the chainsaw toward the end of the movie. I oh mean, yeah, uh, the, the makeup he puts on so he can pretty himself up for the dinner that they're yeah. having. <laughs> um, and something I didn't notice until this time when he kills, I think it's James. Like he's already killed Kirk. Um, he's Pam is, uh, you know, rises up out of the freezer and scares Kirk or James right before James gets hit with a sledgehammer. Leatherface drops what as soon as he drops James down, he instantly turns around, freaks out, does his little yeah. and runs to the window and like he's looking outside like who the fuck is out there? Yeah. Like I've never like I mean, I cracked up. I was like, okay, there's another instant. And yeah. it also shows that Leatherface is more scared of them, and that's the reason he keeps freaking out and killing them. And that was funny because <laughs> I had noticed that too. I'm like, what the fuck is looking like who is he looking for? So there was nobody, but then again, he doesn't know that. All he knows is that there's technically intruders in his home. It's it's almost like the movie Tucker and Dale, which we'll be covering this season, where they them kids the kids keep coming around them, yeah, and, and they're like, "What the fuck are these kids doing?" And it's like Leatherface does the same thing, although he's technically the one killing them. Yeah, he just he's like looking around. He's like, "Where are these people coming from?" Like. I just want to, you know, chop my bodies up in peace. What's happening in this world? These crazy kids. <laughs> and they are breaking into his house. Like, I don't understand that. They, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it's a Southern thing, but you don't just walk in somebody's house without an invitation because you're likely to get the other, you know, the unfriendly end of a shotgun, if nothing else. I mean. You know, it's something I noticed and I have to bring up to you because I brought this up to the hubs while I was watching it. But I was like. Do you think that that family uses that porch swing, or not porch swing, but that yard swing that they have? Like, obviously, Pam was there sitting in there using it, you know, but I'm like, that's such a weird thing for them to have. They probably, when they were kids, they probably did. That That's something that's brought up in the documentary and some of the behind the scenes. They were talking about, it's like, where were the rest of the Sawyers at? Like, there was no women on yeah. camera there was no that we no saw children, yeah <laughs> uh except for grandma and they they had to fight to put her in the movie by the way that was in the trivia for the behind the scenes like they wasn't going to have it was just gonna be grandpa and then the you know the the three sawyer brothers or whatever and then like somebody and then the production designer was like no i'm gonna put a you know desiccated grandma up there in the attic with grandpa because i mean there has to be at least one woman in this family it doesn't make sense otherwise you know what doesn't make sense (laughs) is if when you watch the the continuation remake of 20 we're we're gonna get to that can you gotta save it well i'm just saying though like in that there's all these people but so that means you guys were okay with with what they were doing at the house Yeah, th- th- there's a lot of plot holes in that. Well, we'll get to that in the next episode. There's, is, uh, there's a lot of problems I have with the, even because, well, I mean, we'll get to it. But there, even like the motivation you're supposed to have as the viewer, it's like, huh, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like it's really weird. Like the, the, the dark comedies in this movie and like, I can't unsee it now. And the thing that always got us and got us thinking along this line to begin with is that trucker, because like he doesn't even attempt to try to start that car up. He just like, fuck this. And he books it like, and he's still running me and a friend in high school made a joke one time that, that he's still running this day. Yeah. Like he Legend says he's still running. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that is one of the first. Okay, this is one of the first instances of why, like, black people not being victims in movies. They don't make stupid decisions. Like that's white true. people, it's, it's white people are the ones that are making the dumbass decisions. What's that noise? Uh, Let's go investigate. To houses, yes, staying the fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, technically, yeah, so these are like hippie. These are hippie kids. They're supposed to be like, oh, everything, you know, free, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, you get the, you hear James talking about trying to barter for gas. Oh, I'll leave my guitar and uh, you will just, you know, give him a couple bucks and we'll come back. And it's like. <laughs> that hippie dippy shit goes out the window when someone's showing you pictures about slaughter and they're yeah. talking about how amazing but it is. But they don't know that he lives there, though, you know? Yeah, but the, the, uh, that whole idea of hippie dippy <laughs> went right out the window when the guy started being a weirdo. They're like, fuck this, get, kick him out. Let's get out of here. You know, this wouldn't have happened if they had been driving a Prius. Really? You don't have to stop in weird towns when you're in a Prius. <laughs> uh, I. Uh... <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to drive a Prius, though. They Where would Franklin have been put at? Like, were they strapped into the top of it or something? No, they would have left him home yep. where he belonged. <laughs> Stay home, cripple. No, he, he belonged somewhere else, for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, what what's your thoughts on the acting in the movie? Uh, I Clearly, Partain made us hate Franklin, and that was kind of yeah. the point of that character. So, I guess kudos to him. <laughs> Yeah, I think James and Pam were kind of just, you know, the it, it was good that they we knew that based on what we know about slashers, we knew that James and Pam were not going to make it. They were just off characters. Their acting were, was not bad, but they just didn't have I mean, maybe their roles weren't written super great. They did what they needed to do, but the real acting came from the killers, the final girl, Leatherface, you know, <clears throat> So, but I, I have I nothing bad to say about any of them, to be honest with you. I I love the acting by the 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 killers. I mean, Nubbins, uh, you know, Drayton, you know, when he's sitting there and he's just sit just hitting that bag, and he's like, "You quiet down now, Miss. You quiet down." I don't, you know, like, I, oh that yeah. I know he amps it up in the second movie, and I love it even more. But like, I just love that character because he's so fucking goofy. Like, I mean, well, and, and you can tell he's got it. multiple personalities in that scene. He I goes think from, he has one personality. I feel like he was concerned, and then he was like off, and then he was concerned, I think and then he, he was, was off. Conflicted between: Do I kill her or do I get some pussy? <laughs> it could have been that too. You, you know what's funny is that the actor was conflicted during the filming of that scene. So that's funny that you picked on, up on that because he that was a I mean this skipping ahead a little bit to the trivia, but that was a real broomstick. Uh, no, there was it wasn't light wood. It was a full you know broom like they, they you know Hooper like I mean he was an ass to his actors. Like, oh yeah. Them, like no like you know Hollywood you know fake anything to kind of simulate it, and uh, he kept telling him he's like. They spent eight, I want to say six to eight hours or at, around that time filming the scene where she is constantly getting beat <laughs> with that broomstick. And uh, he he was he was pulling his punches and like Hooper was like, you know, because he didn't want to hurt, you know, um, uh, Marilyn Burns. And like uh, and then uh, Hooper was like, I can see you're pulling your punches. You're going to have to do this right or we're going to have to we'll be here all night. Toby Hooper and hates then, his actresses. The beatings will continue until morale improves. But yeah, exactly. And Marilyn Burns like literally looked up at him and said, "Go ahead, just just hit me." And so those scenes where he's hitting her, like he's full on like whacking her with that, that that broom because that's what he had to do. And he said the funny thing was that once he committed to the scene, like he actually kind of got into the character. And I started, really like this now. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, actually says you. it that way. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> Is choking you out of the question? Um, what are we doing? What's that? I said, is choking you other question? What are we doing? Are you offering to choke the reverend? No, the girl. <laughs> what? I, I, I'd appreciate we didn't go that route right now. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I don't think people give enough credit to, le- to Gunnar Hansen's Leatherface in this. Like he, he actually went to a uh, campus for like, and I mean, he says it himself. So however people hate this word, you can hate it, but retarded adults. Like, I mean, that's, that's what it was. It was, you know, he went like to a, daycare, a, retard, like place he went to a retard camp. <laughs> hey, basically, that's basically well, what he did. My husband and, and I are big. We, we say this all the time that it's people that have made the word retard a bad word when it actually has a legitimate meaning, meaning delayed, slow. Yeah. And it does not need to be an ugly word. So why are we making it an ugly word? So we, we use the word and not so much to like, you know, be assholes about it, but it's a legitimate word. It's a word we use in our work because it's, it's actually part of automotive. Yeah. I use that word retarded all the time. Well, what is it retarded? What's going on? And that's not to mean like, is it stupid? It's, is it slow? Is it delayed? Is there, you know, it's, it's, it's a word that I mean is, you know, lost all meaning because I mean, yes, there are people who use it in a bad way, but I mean, there's yeah. also people that's gotten so sensitive about it that you can't use it even for the other meanings it's supposed to have. Exactly. You know? The direction that we're heading, <clears throat> it's not going to be a long time before people start getting offended when you say, are they slow? Are they delayed? You know, like when is that? That's, I feel like that's going to start becoming offensive to people. It's like, don't say that. And it's like, okay, but that's exactly what the situation uh, is. Anytime I hear someone say, don't say that, guess what yeah. I want to do? I want to use that. <laughs> say it. To figure out a way to use it like the most <clears throat> finesse way I but, can. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's like when you're told anyway, that you shouldn't, that's whenever you feel like it. So he went to school <clears throat> for the mentally delayed. <laughs> He went to retard camp, and this is what happened. He, he found but, a plethora no, he, of he retards. Seriously, he he went to a, uh, a local, you know, uh, school for you know retarded adults, and um, he uh, spent some time there to kind of match their body language, and that's what he incorporated in the role. And it comes across like, I mean, yeah, you can tell that something isn't right. With I mean, he's got almost like the mind of a child. Like, I mean, yeah. even if he is this hulking monster, you think he was shocked as how many retards were there? I can't believe there's this many retarded people in one place. It's like a concentration of power. It's funny how he phrases it, though, in the documentary, because he Hmm. says that after like two or three days of like being there, like when he was walking across campus, nobody could tell that he was like, you know, not one of the people there. It's like it's like when you're a zombie and you're walking out into a zombie crowd and you just cover yourself in like zombie guts and everything. And it's like, oh, it's one of us. I thought you're going to say something like it like he was like Lord of the Flies. They thought he was an amazing genius. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it was, he said he blended in so well that they couldn't tell that he wasn't even <laughs> from that school. Oh, man. <laughs> that must have made him happy and sad. <laughs> oh, shit, they really think uh, I'm retarded. But, um, but he, he's, he, a lot of his acting in the movie, the reason I bring him up is because it's like, it's nonverbal, like he can't speak. So he, it's almost like, hmm. you know, Boris Karloff had to do with Frankenstein. He had to act with his body and his like, you know, mannerisms more than he did anything else. Yeah. And that's tough to do, especially in a movie where it's, which is so out there. Cause I mean, every other character in the movie, I mean, you got Marilyn Burns who's screaming her fucking head off. Like, I mean, through the entire movie, I mean, not in a bad way. She's actually, no. Got a very effective scream, but um, she's got a realistic <clears throat> scream. She doesn't have a Hollywood typical woman scream. She's got a I'm fucking scared for my fucking life scream. I told Noah, I was like, I have never in my life heard more realistic screaming because it was almost ugly. Like it wasn't cute by any means. It was just her like, ah, 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 ah. and I was like, that's exactly what I would be doing if I was being chased by a guy in this fucking. Horrific, horrific man. It was a little too much sometimes. It sometimes like, it was. But like in her chair, it was a bit too much. But when she was running for her life and she's flailing, and, uh, uh, like, <laughs> I fucking was like, that's exactly what I would be doing. Because you're trying to breathe, run, think, and and function in general. You're going to have your moments, okay. is what I'm saying. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? The fact that this chainsaw apparently can't handle brush. But it can handle fucking doors and <laughs> bones. Well, this is this is a bit of trivia, but there's a reason for that. Um, 
So Gunnar Hansen uh, being six foot four and then adding three inch heels, which I'll get into in the trivia too, to make him even taller, made him six seven in the movie. Um, his stride was so long that he was catching up to Marilyn Burns like almost instantly whenever he was supposed to be chasing her. It looked like she was so running to, slow. Uh, it shows you in real life even fat boys can catch down a woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, to uh, account for that and to give a little bit more, you know, like, mm. you know, suspense to the movie uh they had him pretend when he got to the branches that he was having a struggle with them you know so that he'd give her more time to get away from him yeah that that right there when that happened i was like really really that thing would be mowing through those branches (laughs) yeah well it honestly would given the fact that it nearly cut uh, cut into his leg even that last scene so yeah did it really (laughs) cut into his leg it no. got close. Oh. I'll, I'll cover it in the trivia, oh, okay. but yeah, it got close. Uh, anything else you want to discuss about the movie before we kind of uh, uh, move on and kind of discuss the remake a little bit? Um, no, I think I real I did really want to put out there how realistic everything seemed, how the fears and everything. But I already said what I wanted to say. How you know, um, the final girl screaming. How it. <laughs> It was it it was very it was very good. Like in terms like I said, everything seemed pretty real about this film even though it's a movie. Yeah, it's it I mean there's a reason that it continues to live on to this day as far as like I mean, it's cuz when people watch it, I mean, it's got a sense of reality to it that no other horror movie really has. Yeah. I mean, no none of the sequels slash remakes anything that's come since then have got anywhere close to this movie as far as capturing that and um i gotta throw it out there before we get into anything else this clearly uh this in part two especially is the basis for all of rob zombies like entire movie career like i mean you go back and watch this he fucking straight up stole off toby hooper i don't care what you say i mean like um those those characters in uh, house of a thousand corpses they're the sawyers they're just they're a new version of them yeah i mean and i mean not that he didn't put his own his creative spin on it but i mean it's i mean he's try he definitely tried to recreate you know chainsaw to varying degrees of success so 